Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. It's your buddy Mallory. And it's your other buddy, Ashley. Coming back at you another week in a row. Wow, two weeks straight. Yeah. We are (laughs) just doing it. Yeah. Doing it big. Be appreciative. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So I'm really glad that people gave us good feedback on our little baby app. Yeah, me too. It seems like 100% across the board, people would prefer us do one of those than skip a week. So, yeah. so <laughs> I'm glad if, they if liked we're it. able, you know, that's what we'll plan on doing from here on out. Um, unless it's just not possible. But yeah, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I thought it was fun too. I liked presenting just weird stuff that we had come across on the internet yeah and if you guys come across anything just like small and interesting you can always shoot it our way for a baby ep Mm -hmm. situation also we have surpassed 10,000 downloads we have 10,000 which is a milestone it is it's crazy thinking about 10,000 people listening to us yeah, that's great. Well, I guess it's, it's not 10,000 people, but people 10, listening to us 10,000 times. <laughs> yeah, which is still amazing. <sighs> yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm exhausted. <laughs> Are you going to make it through? Yeah, I'm going to make it through. <laughs> I worked so hard on the story, so I have to make it through. Nice. So I'm really excited. Um, but how are you doing? Um, good. It's actually been pretty uneventful since last week. Um, we did have our fire alarm go off at five this morning for like no reason at all. There was nothing the ghost. burning at all. It went off twice and it only lasted for like maybe 15 seconds each time. Oh, weird. It was so weird. Like it wasn't even enough time to figure out which fire alarms were going off. That's crazy. I mean, usually when that happens or when the fire alarm does something it's usually chirping that the battery is low yeah this went off like it was actually alarming oh my god it wasn't chirping because that's what brent said he was like but i wonder if the battery's low i was like no it usually just goes beep yeah (laughs) yeah so um pretty sure it was probably the ghost (laughs) i don't know (laughs) Uh, i always think about like how when it chirps in the middle of the night like you're more likely to die getting on a chair taking down the fire alarm in the middle of the night than dying in a fire so <laughs> i might just take all the fire detectors off oh my god to save myself from falling to my death you know what i was watching today what i was watching more of that one million part documentary series on youtube about chris chan oh my god you should do a story about chris chan oh my god i I have just thought about it it's just so much information yeah it's so much information that i would never be able to pack all of it into one episode well tell the listeners like roughly who chris chan is so (laughs) he like if you look him up you're gonna go down a huge rabbit hole now it's a she yes Anyway, it, it, <laughs> this person has autism mm-hmm. and very socially awkward and desperately wants a girlfriend um, and writes comics. Oh, draws. Yes. Yeah. This Sonic like you. knockoff Sonic. Yeah. 
comic called Sonichu. It's a combination of Sonic and Pikachu. (laughs) (laughs) And basically, he posted so much of his life and everything on like YouTube or social media, whatever. And trolls hit him hard, mm-hmm. hard, like to the point where they were like doing phone sex with him and just to get like recordings of it and really cruel. Yeah. Super cruel stuff. But eventually he became a lesbian trans woman so he still wants a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's been his one mission in life is to find his well, quote unquote sweetheart. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, the ones that I was watching today, just to throw some more crazy shit out there, is they were talking about how he froze his sperm because he thought that this lesbian couple wanted to have his babies. Obviously they were trolls. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he cut a hole in his taint because he thought that he said that before like babies are fully formed in the womb, they're all female before the Y chromosome comes in or something like that. And so he thought that he had a hidden vagina. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't get to that part of the docuseries. <laughs> and so he literally cut a hole open in his taint god and yeah he also demonstrated sex with a blow-up doll and the latest development is that he and this is why i do not really feel sorry for him is that he uh had sex with his mother who has dementia and now he is in jail oh my god i totally forgot about that part yeah god when was it you told me about this person and there's like a literal 100 part video series yeah, on YouTube. On YouTube. It's all like 45 minute videos. Dedicated their entire life to make. <laughs> they're apparently. still making them. Oh my God. Because they're not caught up to date on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> on his life. Yeah. It's crazy. So you just. We're watching that today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what possessed me. Oh, he was also um, trying to get bigger boobs by listening to these specific binaural beats and stuff like that and like doing breast massage. Oh and he God. made a video like demonstrating him doing the breast massage. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's crazy. Look it up. You'll go down a rabbit hole and you'll... I When I found out about Chris Chan, I did not stop reading about Chris. There's... It's taken down right now for some reason, but there's an entire like wikipedia type website dedicated to him yeah it's he's known as one of the most well-documented people on the internet yeah i think i got to like maybe the the 20th video or maybe the 40th i don't remember (laughs) yeah but um it made me so uncomfortable like it was actually hard to watch yeah but it is hard to watch but it's also just interesting and weird it's like watching a car accident yes exactly for sure so that was my day (laughs) not much new over here work is just crazy i feel rushed in every aspect of life at all times so i'm looking forward to that stopping any end in sight (laughs) um well i mean i have a whole bunch of deadlines at work so hopefully when i get past them they don't just like regenerate yeah yeah (laughs) um but yeah, I could definitely use a little vacation. Yeah. I guess I will just get into it, unless you had anything else to add. Do you want to talk about the drink you made up? I have a 
part in the story where I bring it up. Okay. All right. We'll wait. Yes. But how, yeah. how are you liking it so far? I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, I actually it's really, really like yummy. <laughs> so this story was recommended by a listener who emailed us named Cynthia. I had never heard of this case. And so I looked it up and it just shocked me on a super deep level. And yeah. hence I had to tell you all all about it. Can't wait. So this is some um, atrocious shit and the sheer audacity, which is a theme I often lean in on. Yeah. Um, It's just, you'll see. But our story tonight is about a 15-year-old girl named Skylar Niece. Do you remember being 15? Vaguely, yeah, I do. I was at a Christian school going to church and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That was my life. (laughs) I was thinking back to when I was 15 and just a general synopsis of what it was like for me. It looked like George Bush, 9-11, Lifehouse, Hanging by a Moment, um, Lincoln Park, <laughs> Lord of the Rings, and Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. That was basically the trailer to me being 15. Yeah, that era. <laughs> I remember when I was 15, I was a straight up baby. I was, like, starting to feel all the feels. I was goody-two-shoes, had really, really bad anxiety, especially when my friends started breaking the rules. Uh Uh-oh. I just was not down with breaking the rules. Yeah, me neither. So this story is a little shocking to me because these teenagers lived a completely different lifestyle than me. But our story starts on July 5th, 2012, Skylar Niece just completed her sophomore year at University High School in Star City, West Virginia. It's summer break and Skylar has a part-time job at Wendy's. She actually loves this job. She was working with a few friends, making some money, and she was all about it. Which brings me to our cocktail tonight. In honor of Skylar, I created my very own cocktail dedicated to her. And I didn't come up with a name or anything, so maybe you guys can help me name it. But... Basically, it's a Wendy's pineapple mango lemonade Mm. with one and a half shots of jalapeno. Actually, I ended up getting habanero. Two shots of habanero infused tequila. It's so good. It is so good. Yum. So it's sweet and spicy, just like Skylar. (laughs) So Skylar was working till 10 p.m. on the night of July 5th, 2012. When she got home from her shift, she greeted her parents and told them she was going to take a shower and go to bed. Her mother, Mary, offered to wash her uniform and Skylar obliged. She hated the smell of fries on her uniform. Little did Mary know, the last thing she would ever see of her daughter would be her skinny arm tossing her uniform out from behind her door to be washed. Mm -hmm. Once Mary got her uniform in the dryer, she headed to bed. Skylar emerged and gave her dad a kiss goodnight as he was dozing in front of the TV, and then she went to bed. The next day, when Skylar's father was leaving for work, he noticed that Skylar's door was still closed. He assumed she was sleeping in. It was summer break, after all. Hours passed, and Dave came home to have lunch with Skylar and drop off the car so she could drive to work that afternoon. When Dave returns, he notices that Skylar's door is still closed. He knocks and there's no answer. He tries to enter, but the door is locked. Dave starts to panic. 
He decides to call Skylar's best friend, Sheila Eddy. He asks if she knows where Skylar could be. When was the last time you saw her? Sheila replied that she had no idea. She last spoke to Skylar on the phone around midnight. He manages to unlock her bedroom, and she's not there. So at this point, he's getting a little panicked, and he calls his wife Mary, and she tries to reassure him that she must have just gone swimming or was out shopping with friends. Who knows? Maybe she just accidentally locked her door behind her. Mary said that Skylar was due into work at 4 p.m. that day, and she never misses a shift. So they would plan on calling Wendy's shortly after her shift started and figure out where she'd been. Dave goes outside of the apartment and notices there is a bench pulled up to Skylar's window. He notices the screen leaning against the house and the window is slightly open. She must have snuck out, but why isn't she home yet? Sometime after Skylar was supposed to clock into work, Wendy's calls the niece residence to check if Skylar was okay and if she was going to come into work that afternoon. This call made the niece's hearts drop. Mm-hmm. Mary turned to Dave and said, call 911 now. Their daughter was missing. Oh my God. Now I'd like to pivot a little and talk a bit about Skylar. She was born on February 10th, 1996 to Mary and Dave niece. They were a blue collar family living in Star City, West Virginia. Dave worked as a product assembler at Walmart and Mary worked as an administrative assistant at a cardiology office. Skylar's parents describe her as an incredibly fun and sweet child. She loved to have tea parties with her father, who happily participated. The nieces look back fondly on one such occasion. Dave and Skylar were having a daddy-daughter day, and Skylar wanted to play tea party. She served her dad cup after cup of water that she served from a pitcher. But when Mary came home, she asked Dave where Skylar was getting all this water. She was a toddler at this point, and it wasn't like she could reach the faucet. (laughs) They asked Skylar where she was getting the water, and that child grabbed them by the hands and took them into the bathroom and pointed at the The toilet. toilet. Oh my god, so gross. (laughs) (laughs) Ugh. No thanks. In second grade, Skylar met a girl named Sheila Eddy at her local community center. The two quickly hit it off, and despite going to different schools, they maintained a friendship thanks to their parents. Skylar and Sheila were inseparable. The nieces say that the two girls were more like sisters than friends. Sheila was constantly at the nieces for playdates, sleepovers, family dinners, you name it. Skylar's parents remember how happy they were that their daughter had such a close friend. Skylar and her parents lived in an apartment in Star City, West Virginia, right outside of Morgantown. I've never been to West Virginia, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but Star City is described as a small coal mining town made up of roughly a couple thousand people. It's only a few miles outside of Morgantown, which is a college town home to the University of West Virginia and University High School, which is where Skylar would start her freshman year. Skylar was an excellent student and made good grades. Her personality was goofy and kind, but she had a spicy side when something upset her. Skylar was known to have a good moral compass, and she often defended the underdogs at school. West Virginia is not the most tolerant place in the world, but Skylar always defended what she knew was right. She told her parents that one day she wanted to be a criminal lawyer and her parents often joked that she'd be perfect for the job considering how well she could navigate an argument. (laughs) Skylar was pretty responsible for a kid her age. 
Sure, she drank and smoked weed every now and then on the weekends, but Skylar was serious about school and already had a part-time job that she was really proud of. Her yeah, manager she was young to I don't think I started working until I was 17. I think I got my first job at 15. Oh, but really? I worked at a pizza place making pizza. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was only in the summer, though. I don't think I did it while I was in school. Oh, okay. So Skylar's manager and co-workers describe her as the ideal employee. During her freshman year, her BFF, Sheila, ended up transferring to University High School. The girls were so excited to be at the same school. Sheila had grown to be a bit of a wild child, pretty much the opposite of Skylar. Skylar was seen as more reserved and quiet, while Sheila had developed into a loud and rebellious type. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But it seemed like one of those opposites attract kind of things. They balanced each other out. Sheila was adjusting well to her new school and quickly became one of the popular girls at University High. During their freshman year, Skylar and Sheila met another student named Rachel Schof in one of their classes. Rachel was a redhead, well-off, popular, and known as a drama kid who appeared in many high school musicals. Before high school, Rachel had attended a private Catholic school. Her family was pretty religious and she was a bit sheltered, but the three girls bonded over common interests and the fact that they were all raised as only children. Before they knew it, the three girls were inseparable and rarely seen apart. If they weren't together, they were constantly on the phone or texting. They became a well-known trio at University High School. Like Sheila, the nieces accepted Rachel into their home. Friends outside of Skylar's circle couldn't stand Sheila. They described her as loud and mean, and the longer Skylar and Sheila were friends, the more her friends and parents would notice a change in Skylar. They started to distance themselves from Skylar, which drew her closer to Sheila and Rachel. But as the friendship went on, things would become tumultuous, overshadowed by distrust, tension, and arguments. It's a well-known trope that threes a crowd, and that seemed to be the case with Skylar, Rachel, and Sheila. And in Skylar's case, she was the odd one out. Skylar tried to ignore the increasing amount of drama. After all, Sheila and Rachel were her best friends. They had fun together. The fights and bickering would pass as soon as it started, and the three would be back to normal in no time. But it was a pattern others noticed, too. The trio often would fight publicly via Twitter. Mm-hmm. So Skylar's Twitter is still up, and reading it, like... I can identify so much like her. She would just, if she was angry, she would just like go off on a tirade on Twitter, like kind of insinuating things that she was talking about, but not fully, you know, yeah. the deal. Really yeah. stupid and cringy, but <laughs> what you do when you're young and emotional. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, the days of, I mean, I think I probably did that. Older than 15. No, for sure. I wasn't 15. Yeah. I I think I was stunted. Well, actually, there wasn't even social media when we were 15, no. basically. So. Thank God. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I think I was definitely stunted, like a late bloomer. <laughs> or maybe just, I don't know. <laughs> so the trio would often fight publicly via Twitter, but the next thing you know, the three would be posing in a selfie and tweeting inside jokes back and forth. But Skylar started to notice little things, like Sheila and Rachel would show up to school in matching outfits, obviously leaving Skylar out, but claiming it was just a coincidence. 
Mm. which reminds me of Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. Skylar would find out that Rachel and Sheila were making plans without her. She'd take to Twitter to air her grievances, but shit would hit the fan between these friends when they had their first and last sleepover at Rachel's mom's house. The girls managed to get their hands on a handle of vodka, and soon enough, they were wasted. <laughs> at some point, they started taking questionable pictures that led to some kissing. Oh, God. Yeah, never... That wasn't my high school experience. No, I um, was a literal angel in high school. I didn't do anything bad. <laughs> yeah. Things started to get out of hand, and before Skylar knew it, Sheila and Rachel were doing more than just kissing. Skylar told friends and even wrote in her diary about this night on August 16th, 2011. That night, Sheila and Rachel had sex in front of Skylar. What? What? I read a book about this whole story, and it goes into detail, and I'm not going to go into detail. Oh, so. God. So as this was happening, Skylar wanted to leave, obviously. I mean, yeah. how uncomfortable would that be? Seriously. But she felt trapped. She was wasted and didn't want to wake Rachel's mother and get them in trouble. Later in the night, the three girls ended up squishing into the bed to go to sleep for the night. But a huge fight would break out between Skylar and Sheila. It all started when Sheila told Skylar to move so she could cuddle Rachel. They started screaming at each other and woke up Rachel's mom, who came in to see what the hell was going on. She made Rachel move up to her bedroom and left Sheila and Skylar alone in the guest bedroom. Oh, man. The two once again started fighting, causing Rachel's mom to have to come back downstairs again and quiet them. The friendship was now marked with fights and reconciliations. Skylar felt like the third wheel more than ever. She endured the typical mean girl shit, like the notorious three-way calls. Sheila would call Skylar with Rachel secretly listening in and chastise her what? for their amusement. That's so mean. Did that ever happen to you? Not, the, not to my awareness. <laughs> I can't remember if it happened to me, but I just remember it happening to other people and just how cruel. Yeah, that's super cruel. That is. Skylar's tweets leading up to her disappearance give us a little peek into yet another dispute. The tweets weren't calling out anyone in particular, but it can be strongly assumed that they were referencing Sheila. So I have some tweets up that Skylar posted just days before she went missing. The first one says, people can be mean for absolutely no reason. Another one says, sick of being at fucking home. Thanks, friends. Love hanging out with you, too. And then she posted the day she went missing. You doing shit like that is why I will never completely trust you. And that was the last thing she ever tweeted. Oh, wow. So now that you have a sense of who Skylar is, let's go back to July 6th, 2012, the day the nieces discovered that Skylar had snuck out and was missing. After Wendy's called asking about Skylar, the nieces were panicked. They were about to pick up the phone to call 911 when they received another alarming call from Sheila. Sheila told Mary Niece, I need to tell you the truth. What? Sheila confessed to the nieces that her, Skylar, and Rachel had snuck out the night prior. This wasn't an isolated incident. Unbeknownst to the nieces, Skylar had snuck out to go joyriding with her friends multiple times prior. Sheila told Mary they did just that on the night of July 5th. She said that her and Rachel had picked up Skylar around 11 p.m. and the three girls went on a drive. 
They were only out for 45 minutes. Sheila told Mary that Skylar had insisted that they drop her off at the end of the street so that the car wouldn't wake her parents. Mary was initially more upset to learn that Skylar had snuck out, but when Sheila's mother Tara got on the phone and asked her what was going on, everything came crashing down. Mary responded, I don't know. We can't find her. She didn't show up to work. And once she said that, the realization hit Mary like a ton of bricks. Skylar was really missing. Sheila's mother told Mary that her and Sheila would be over right away to help. When she hung up the phone, Dave immediately called 911 to report their daughter missing. When Sheila and her mother Tara arrived, they went door to door with Mary asking if anyone had seen Skylar, and no one had. Then Mary remembered there were surveillance cameras around the apartment complex. They called the landlord of the complex and told him about the situation. He was right over to unlock the control room. By that time, the police had arrived and Dave, Mary, Sheila, Tara, and Officer McCauley gathered around the large monitor in the closet-sized control room. The landlord started playing footage from the vantage point right outside of Skylar's window. He had the video going double the speed when Dave spotted something. They stopped the video, backed it up, and sure enough, there was Skylar. So they must be on the first floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are. They're on the first floor apartment. The timestamp read 12.31 a.m. Skylar was walking toward a vehicle, got into the back seat, and the car drove away. There was no sign of a struggle, no indication that Skylar went against her will. Dave turned to Sheila. You picked her up at 11, though, right, Sheila? Sheila confirmed that she had. They all studied the car in the footage, but it was hard to make out details. After a few moments of silence, the landlord spoke up, saying he thought the car looked like it could be an SUV. Officer McCauley wasn't so sure. He asked Sheila if she knew of anyone that had a car like the one in the video, and she replied that she didn't. So it's this car? Mm Mm-hmm. I can't tell whether it looks like... It almost looks like either a van or a limo to me. (laughs) It definitely doesn't look like an SUV. No. And I can totally see limo. I don't know why. I mean, it just looks like... I can see van, too. Yeah. And it's not not like you can tell what color it is because it's black and white. Yeah. But it's definitely a... It's got to be a lighter color, right? Mm-hmm. I would, I would think so. Because that looks like a darker color. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely a lighter color. It's like underneath a... a what are those things called? Street light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so is this her? Yeah. Okay. That's Skylar walking toward the car. Officer McCauley took down Sheila's statement and her word became the official story. Sheila reported she and Rachel had picked Skylar up at 11 p.m. and dropped her back off at the end of the street around 11.45 p.m. She told officers that she and Rachel were home and in bed by midnight. This story left the nieces with the confusing reality that after Skylar had been dropped off, she'd snuck out a second time. But who was this and why? The first assumption from the authorities was that Skylar could have run away. She did, after all, get into this car willingly. To the niece's shock, Skylar's disappearance did not meet the criteria for an Amber Alert. What? Mm-hmm. There are four boxes you must check in order for an Amber Alert to be issued. One, a child is believed to be abducted. Two, the child is under 18. Three, the child may be in danger of death or serious injury. And four, there is sufficient information to indicate the Amber Alert would be helpful. 
So because Skylar appeared to willingly leave, her disappearance initially wasn't treated as a missing persons case, but as a runaway. Oh, wow. Officers told the parents to give it a couple of days. She'd most likely come home. The nieces wanted to believe this so bad. It beat the alternative. The inaction of the police left Dave and Mary feeling hopeless and desperate. The couple decided to take matters into their own hands. They printed out flyers and started plastering them around Star City. A few days had passed, and Officer Jessica Colbank was assigned to Skylar's case. FBI agent Spurlock also got involved due to a possible link to another missing girl in the area. The two interviewed Sheila Eddy on July 9th. Ever since the 6th, Sheila had been in touch with the nieces almost constantly. She'd call to check on them multiple times a day. She even would drop by crying, telling them that she wished she knew more to help. Wow. That seems ultra considerate for a 15-year-old. Right. There was <laughs> I even, guess they're friends, but... There was even one instance where she came over and just asked to sit in Skylar's room. Oh, wow. And Mary walked in and found Sheila on the bed crying. And so she sat down next to her and they both just cried together. Ugh. And Sheila was like a daughter to them. Yeah, yeah. While interviewing Sheila, Jessica Colbank got the impression that Sheila was more curious about the investigation than she was worried about her best friend. Oh, really? Yeah. She also noticed that Sheila seemed arrogant. The story she recounted to Colbank and Spurlock was the same story she recounted to Officer McCauley the day she disappeared. Jessica Colbank took a mental note of Sheila's car a silver Toyota Camry. She wondered if it could possibly be the one in the surveillance video. She just couldn't wrap her head around why the girls would pick up and drop Skylar off so far from her apartment. It just seemed unnecessary because they picked her up an apartment complex, not an apartment complex, an apartment building away. Yeah. But yet they dropped her off like four blocks away. It just didn't make sense. Well, the reasoning was... They didn't want to wake. Yeah, the car. But... If you're in an apartment complex, wouldn't you expect cars anyway? Yeah. yeah. That seems weird. Yeah. That seems weird to me now. Yeah. But yeah, she was getting this impression of Sheila because she was just very nonchalant and just asking a lot of questions about the investigation, but not really seeming concerned. Hmm. So what about Rachel? What about Rachel? Well, the day Skylar was reported missing, Rachel had gone out on a boating trip with her mother, Patricia, and her mother's friend, Kelly. It was a little out of character for Rachel to join them. Usually, she reveled in time at home alone. But on this particular day, Rachel seemed like she didn't want to be alone and asked to come along. Both women noticed a pretty serious gash on Rachel's ankle. They asked her what happened, and Rachel basically brushed it off, saying that she had hit her foot on the boat's motor as she was getting into the boat. Mm -hmm. The next day, July 7th, Rachel left for church camp. While at camp, she received a phone call from Officer Colbank asking her about Skylar. Rachel claimed she hadn't even heard she was missing and promised Colbank that she'd come to the station for an interview when she returned from camp. But Rachel never showed up for her appointment, which, is that not sketchy? Yeah. Like, if your best friend was missing, would you not, one, leave church camp and try to help in any way you can? Right. Or, at the very least, two show up to your interview immediately when you're back in town. Yeah. So they kind of got a little feeling about that. Oh, boy. 
It took Colbank some time to track Rachel down for an interview, but when she finally did, Rachel told Jessica Colbank the same thing she told her on the phone, that she had no idea where Skylar could be, that they should speak to Sheila, that she may know more. Rachel also recounts the night the three friends snuck out for a joyride. She gave the exact same story as Sheila, verbatim. They picked her up at 11 p.m. in front of another apartment building on Crawford Avenue, drove around for 45 minutes talking and smoking weed, and dropped her back off down the street from her apartment so as not to wake the nieces. Sheila and Rachel's stories were told so similarly that they almost seemed rehearsed. This raised red flags for Colbank. She made note and continued the investigation. Detectives start to dive deep into Skylar's social media and personal belongings to try and find some clues as to who she would have left with. Her social media revealed she'd been down lately, often left out by her best friends Sheila and Rachel. Skylar's last diary entry was a year prior and was largely speaking about Sheila. Skylar wrote about Sheila a lot in her diary. She wrote about her sexual escapades and things of that nature, and it seemed to them that Skylar was almost living vicariously through Sheila's experiences. Something that caught the attention of the police was an entry about a sleepover. Yes, it was that sleepover. Oh. Skylar wrote about how Rachel and Sheila had hooked up and about the fight between her and Sheila that followed. One tweet of Skylar's seemed to reference this night, and it read as follows. I'd tell the whole school the shit I had on everyone, which is a lot. Hashtag if I could get away with it. Was this a threat to out Sheila and Rachel? Mm. Police also spoke to Skylar's friends. Most had received texts from Sheila letting them know that Skylar was missing. They all got the same impression, that Sheila seemed very nonchalant about the whole thing. However, Sheila's cousin and close friend of Skylar, Chrissy Swanson, had not heard about the disappearance. Chrissy was shocked to read from a distant friend about Skylar. It made no sense to her. Sheila knew how much she cared about Skylar. Why wouldn't she tell her about such news? On August 16th, 2012, Rachel and Sheila started their junior year at University High School without Skylar. Wow. The investigation was losing steam. The state police got involved after a series of bank robberies had taken place in the Blacksville area. One of the robberies occurred just before Skylar went missing and another 10 days later. It was learned that Dylan Conway, a former romantic partner of Sheila's, was the younger brother of one of the individuals connected to the bank robberies. Hmm. Dylan Conway became a person of interest in Skylar's disappearance and remained so until the very end of the investigation. However, it would be learned that he had nothing to do with it. I feel like that's kind of reaching, like, the little brother of someone involved in a bank robbery that um, also dated Sheila. I don't know. I think they were just looking for anything. Yeah, grabbing at straws. Grasping at straws, if you will. Rumors started flying around University High. Some believed Skylar had run off with a boyfriend. Others speculated maybe Skylar was a victim of human trafficking. Everyone was deeply affected by the loss of Skylar. Did she have a boyfriend? Mm -mm. Oh. Hmm. No, she had never had a boyfriend. Oh, wow. Okay. I guess that's just something you assume teenagers gone. Yeah. Maybe they met someone online. Relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Guidance counselors were brought in to support the students during this time, but the rumors continued to escalate. Some students began to wonder if maybe Sheila and Rachel were somehow involved. 
They both had seemed to move on from their friend, which others found extremely odd. People began to talk about the possibility that maybe Skylar had overdosed at a party and Sheila and Rachel were trying to cover it up. The pressure was mounting, and on September 3rd, 2012, two months after Skylar's disappearance, both Rachel and Sheila were served warrants to seize all electronic communication between the two girls. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. The state police were also looking into the surveillance videos, trying to make sense of the timeline the friends had given detectives. Sheila and Rachel grew closer during this time and had fallen victim to taunting and harassment from students at the school. Fake Twitter accounts started popping up, and these accounts had extensive knowledge of the case. They'd send them messages like, what you gonna do when they come for you? And like, oh my god. (laughs) Bible verses about confessing and things. Holy shit. um, I think it was believed that maybe a detective had made a fake account just trying to like stir the pot. Oh, what? Mm -hmm. But the girls seemed unfazed and continued going about their everyday life as if nothing had happened. As seen here in this picture, Sheila tweeted on October 30th. Just, no, just, yeah, they're making a silly face into the camera. Just two high school friends hanging out at school. Yeah. It says, hashtag, tweet a picture that describes your friendship. And Sheila tweeted this with Rachel. wonder if they were still romantically involved. It's thought that they did have intimate relations. Yeah. (laughs) Intimate (laughs) relations. While Sheila remained nonchalant about the whole thing, going as far as to refer to the FBI as her buds. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Rachel started becoming affected. Police were connecting the dots in their investigation at this point. They combed through surveillance of all the areas where Sheila and Rachel had claimed they were on their joyride that night. And the timestamps seemed to point to one thing. That car that picked Skylar up at 12.31 a.m. on July 6th belonged to Sheila Eddy. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. How did it take them that long to figure it out? <laughs> I feel like that would have been, that, like, that one is, of the first things. That is a question. I think it's because they initially treated it as a runaway case, and they, oh, didn't, yeah. they didn't do the groundwork. Dude, they didn't do uh, all the, the things they should have done initially had oh she God. been assumed missing. But Wow. So, with that, would you like to take a little bit of a break? Yes, I would like a refill of this delicious drink. Oh, okay. I would love to help you make that. I would, <laughs> I would love to prepare you a, a, a bev. Thank you for your hospitality, ma'am. You're welcome. Oh, 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 we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Enjoy. Enjoy your break. Enjoy your break. <laughs> and we're back. Hey, how about it? How about that? <laughs> We're back with you. Gonna bring you the rest of the story. So, through multiple surveillance videos, police are able to put together a timeline that shows that the mysterious vehicle that picked up Skylar belonged to Sheila. But that's not all. They were also looking at cell phone records. Skylar had been texting Rachel and Sheila when she had supposedly already been picked up which even further confirmed that the girls were lying about when they picked up Skylar. Because oh. why would you be texting each other if you're together? Right. 
Police must have shared this information with Rachel because in a later interview, Rachel changed her story. Rachel now claimed that the trio had gotten into an argument on the drive and Skylar ordered Sheila to pull over and be let out in the backwoods area of a town called Brave, near the border of Pennsylvania. She told police that Skylar had run off into the woods and that they took off after her, but were unable to find her. Sheila also changed her story to match Rachel's in a later interview, so they were verbatim telling the same exact story. They were in communication. The girls were ordered to undergo a polygraph test in mid-December of 2012. Sheila came in, no issues, and took the test. And she failed. Oh boy. Rachel, on the other hand, was scheduled to meet with her attorney prior to her test. But while her father was driving her to her appointment, she jumped out of the car and took off running. Um, excuse me? (laughs) What the hell? That's not a sign of guilt. No, that totally doesn't make you look guilty at all. What the hell? Around the same time in mid-December, Mary Niece took to Facebook, posting a lengthy post outlining her experience with law enforcement. She called out both Sheila and Rachel in the post, sharing how their dishonesty and refusal to cooperate has been the ultimate betrayal. Because both girls were like daughters to her. Basically, Sheila had grown up with the nieces. So the fact that they were lying and not cooperating was just like a huge blow to the nieces. Yeah. She also discussed the horrible two months of being told that Skylar was just a runaway and would return soon enough. Mary and Dave were so affected by the refusal for more assistance from the city police that they set up a petition for a new law to be established called Schuyler's Law. The petition was seeking the modification of West Virginia's Amber Alert plan to issue immediate public announcements when any child is reported missing and in danger, regardless of whether the child is believed to have been kidnapped. Mm -hmm. On April 12, 2013, the law was officially passed which was the only positive thing to come out of Skylar's disappearance. Oh, wow. But back to Rachel. Her parents urged her to distance herself from Sheila. They assumed that Sheila was the reason behind their daughter's intense anxiety, but Rachel refused. Her behavior had grown increasingly unstable and volatile, so much so that Rachel's mother, Patricia, had asked Rachel's father to move back in with them to help control their daughter. So one day, Rachel comes home from school to find that her father had moved back into the house in an attempt to get her under control, and it did quite the opposite. Rachel flipped out and started attacking both her mother and father. Attacking? Mm-hmm. What? Verbally and physically. Oh my god. Rachel took off out of the house screaming and causing a huge scene. They had to basically tackle her to get her back in the house. Oh my god. Rachel was hitting herself, hitting her mother in the face. It was so bad that Patricia had to call the police for assistance. Jesus Christ. So I'm going to play you the 911 call. Ooh, yay. I have an issue with a 16-year-old daughter of mine. I can't control her anymore. She's screaming. She's running through the neighborhood. Give me the phone. No, this is over. This is over. Hurry up. So you can like hear her screaming in the background. Yes. Gives her mother a black eye. Oh my God. 
After that, Rachel barricaded herself in her room and threatened to kill herself. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Rachel, what are you doing? My spit is really thick. Yeah, my spit is thick too. <laughs> and this drink makes my mouth water really, like, a lot. Ooh. Like, really salivating here. <laughs> Police arrived and Rachel was escorted to Chestnut Ridge, a psychiatric hospital in Blacksville. Sheila finally started to feel the heat. She tried on numerous occasions to visit Rachel at the hospital, but they were under strict orders to keep Rachel away from Sheila. Rachel was released from the hospital on January 3rd, five days later. Rachel was released from the hospital on January 3rd, five days later. Her parents immediately took her to the attorney's office where an interview had been arranged with law enforcement. Her stint in the hospital had caused her to miss her second polygraph appointment, so she was scheduled to undergo the test that day at her attorney's. Police were prepared to finally get to the bottom of what happened to Skylar. Their suspicions were that something had happened to Skylar the night she snuck out, perhaps a drug overdose, and Sheila and Rachel tried to cover it up. Mm. But only a few questions into the interview, Rachel would confess. What? What did she confess? And it was shocking to everyone in the room. Oh, God. Police expected one thing, but this was a completely different story. (gasps) Something none of them had imagined. Rachel uttered three words in response to what happened to Skylar. We stabbed her. (gasps) What? Mm -hmm. And they haven't found a body or anything at this point, right? Nope. What the fuck? Yeah, they were thinking, like, something must have happened to her and they're covering it up. Or maybe she ran away and they're, like, covering for her. They knew they knew something, but they didn't think. They didn't, they couldn't even imagine. Yeah. That these young girls yeah. would kill their best friend. 15, 16 years old? Like, what? When officers asked why, the only answer Rachel could muster was, we just didn't like her anymore. So you stab her? I have my theories that there's a different reason. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The plan to kill Skylar Niece had been in the works for just about a year. After that fateful sleepover in August of 2011, a rift began to form in the group. Mm-hmm. Rachel and Sheila were growing more and more close, pushing Skylar more and more out of the picture. Sheila and Rachel saw Skylar as an annoying little sister type that they just couldn't get rid of. It was taking a toll on Skylar. She couldn't understand how her best friend since second grade could put seemingly everyone else ahead of her. That cryptic, threatening tweet Skylar wrote on September of 2011 is what set the plans into action. The queef. <laughs> the queef. <laughs> <laughs> The tweet, just in case you forgot, said, I'd tell the whole school the shit I had on everyone, which is a lot. Hashtag if I could get away with it. Sheila and Rachel began to joke about their plans to kill Skylar. In October of 2011, students and a teacher had overheard the girls discussing the best way to dispose of a body. Oh my god. However, they were in a biology class learning about forensic science. And a body had recently been found behind the school a few weeks earlier. Oh, shit. So the conversation didn't seem entirely out of place. 
But according to those who heard the exchange, the girls specifically were trying to figure out a way to get rid of Skylar. Another incident occurred in the spring of 2012. Rachel had confided in an old friend how much she hated Skylar and how she wouldn't mind if she died. Oh, I wouldn't mind if she died. What a weird her, thing to say. One of her best friends. That's insane. She referenced that Skylar had planned to tell her secrets. And when the friend asked what the secrets were, she didn't go into it. But the tipping point would occur in June 2012 when Skylar and Sheila would take a trip to Myrtle Beach. They fought and bickered constantly the entire trip. Skylar just wanted to be heard and Sheila wouldn't have it. When they returned, Sheila would tell Rachel that they needed to carry out their plan and kill Skylar in quick. Rachel was supposed to go to church camp, but bad weather had postponed her trip. Sheila was getting antsy. She told Rachel they had to get it done before she left for her trip on July 7th. So they hatched a plan. They'd lure Skylar out of the house the night of the 5th with the promise of reconciling. But in reality, they would drive her to a remote location, and on the count of three, they would stab Skylar to death. Oh my god. They had all the supplies ready to go. Sheila would provide the knives. She took kitchen knives from her home, and Rachel would take a shovel from her father with the intention of burying Skylar. They packed cleaning supplies, fresh clothes, everything they'd need to carry out their plan. Skylar would get off work from Wendy's at 10 p.m. They asked her to sneak out at 12.30 a.m. and meet them in the parking lot. The plan was to go for a drive, talk, and smoke weed. Skylar initially wasn't sure she wanted to go. She was still angry. But of course she wanted to mend the friendship. So Skylar waited for her parents to go to bed, popped the screen out of her window, and left, making sure to leave the window open just enough to get back in. She even pulled a small bench up to her window for easy access. Sheila and Rachel waited in the car with the knives Sheila took concealed under the sleeves of their hoodies. Skylar hopped in the car and they were on their way. Rachel had her eyes peeled for cops, not because it was past curfew or because they had weed in their car, but because the teenagers had all the supplies to carry out a murder in the trunk of Sheila's car. Oh my God. Skylar was none the wiser. She put her earbuds in and gazed out the window. As they made their way to their destination, Rachel spotted a police car idling on the side of the road, waiting to catch a speeder or some murderous teens out past curfew. (laughs) Rachel brought the cop to Sheila's attention, but she was one step ahead. She immediately pulled into a shopping center and turned around. That was close, Skylar chimed in from the back. Rachel and Sheila stared straight ahead. She had no idea. Oh my god. (sighs) Gives me goosebumps. I know. Like, oh, fuck. They drove quite some time over the border and into Pennsylvania. The area was heavily forested. Sheila eventually pulled off into a familiar area, a spot close to Sheila's father's that the group would use often as a smoke spot. The three girls got out of the car and walked a bit down the road. Sheila had the joint all ready to go, but her lighter didn't work. Skylar had one back in the car, and she offered to go get it. So as soon as she turned around to walk back to get it, Rachel began counting. One, oh my God. 
two, three. Oh my God. The girls slid the knives out from their sleeves and attacked Skylar, stabbing her in the back. She tried to run, but Rachel tackled her to the ground. Skylar was stronger than the two girls and managed to get Rachel's knife away from her. Trying to defend herself, she slashed at Rachel, leaving a three-inch gash in her ankle. Mm. Eventually, Rachel was able to get the knife back, and the girls continued stabbing. They stabbed Skylar niece over 50 times, Fuck. and she put up a fight. The attack was so intense that both Sheila and Rachel managed to butt-dial people, but the calls went unanswered. Oh, man. That would have been... Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Skylar lay face up, and the only words she could muster were, why? And she said it over and over. Oh, my God. This is so sad. Sheila and Rachel stood over her, watching as the light left her eyes and the gurgling in her throat stopped. Ugh, oh my god. Triumphant, the girls dragged Skylar deeper into the woods, where they tried to dig a hole. The earth was too hard, so they came up with plan B. Propping Skylar's bloodied body against a tree, and covering her with debris from the forest floor. They took her phone and turned it off, and began to get cleaned up. When they were finished, the two girls had sex to celebrate. Are you serious? Excuse me. What in the actual fuck is wrong with these girls? That's, that is sociopathic behavior. Yeah. That is crazy. I know. I know. It's so shocking. Oh my God. I'm at a loss for words. I can't even understand how they could do that. So Rachel told the police everything. It was agreed that Rachel would take them to the body immediately. They made their ways to the location as Rachel directed them along the windy rural roads. But it was so snowy and Rachel couldn't pinpoint where exactly they'd left her. Investigators would have to wait for the snow to melt to recover Skylar. And without a body, they only had Rachel's words as proof. They needed Rachel to cooperate with them to get Sheila. You know what I wish? What? I wish Rachel... I wish they had found her and Rachel got to see her rotting corpse. I know. So that she could view what she had done. Yeah. Like, yes, that would be a lifetime punishment. Mm hmm. Always in your head. Yep. Investigators knew that Sheila must be pretty anxious to speak to Rachel, considering the amount of time she tried to see her at the hospital. So they set up Rachel's bedroom with surveillance and had her reach out to Sheila to come over. Mm. Rachel was unable to capture anything incriminating from her, though. But Sheila posted this casual selfie from their visit on her Twitter. Oh, God. Finally got to see at Rage Heart. You know what I noticed? Their handles are like just their names with extra letters, both yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. It's like Sheila and then Rage. <laughs> and have you noticed how Rach- or how Sheila spells her name? It's wrong. Shelia. It's spelled Shelia. <laughs> I've been spelling it the right way in my notes here. And every time I would Google her, it'd be like, do you mean Shelia? It's like, No. It, that's how her name is actually spelled. Yep. Shelia. Mm-hmm. But it's actually pronounced Sheila. Yep. Really? Yep. Why did they do that? It's West Virginia, baby. What the fuck? No offense. 
<laughs> Sorry, guys. I don't know. I don't either. But I mean, maybe that's there's multiple spellings. But she, that does not say Sheila to me. It says Shelia. Yeah. Shelia. 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 What the hell? Come on, people. All right. So looking at this picture, you can tell, looking at Rachel, how much she'd just recently been through. This was the same day she confessed to the murder. She looks like the life has been sucked out of her. Yeah, she does. And rightfully so. On January 4th, officers surprised Sheila and her family with a search warrant. They seized every knife in the house, as well as Sheila's car. Sheila must have received a call from her attorney after her meeting with Rachel, warning her about what happened because the two barely spoke after the January 3rd visit. Her tweets give us insight into her mindset. And here are a lot of tweets. The first one says, the first time I've ever been completely speechless. The second one says, holy fuck. This is the day after she met with Rachel. Then she says, someone please explain to me why I get myself into situations I can't get out of. Then she says, life fucked me yet again. And then, lol, surprise, surprise. Then, seriously? Then, so disappointed. That's so casual. It's so casual. Like, such an idiot teen just... Yes. Seriously? Seriously? I'm so disappointed. So disappointed. Life Life fucked me yet again. (laughs) Life fucked me yet again. Oh my god. But there's more. She says, you fucked up. And then she says, and I'm not an idiot. Good try. And then she says, everything and everyone is a disappointment. And if you don't think so right now, just give it a little bit. Okay. (laughs) And then on January 21st, she does a series of tweets. I miss my best friend. (laughs) And then, well, this is just not good. Just every tweet is like a cryptic. Mm Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I feel like everyone I usually text on a daily basis died overnight. Oh, so no one's texting her back. Apparently. Or she killed one of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Two weeks later, on January 16th, investigators returned to the spot Rachel had brought them. But this time they had dogs. The snow was mostly melted at this point. As the dog's handler was picking up the GPS tracker that had fallen off their dog, they noticed skeletal remains beside the trunk of a tree underneath some branches. After six months, Skylar was finally found. Wow. Reports came out that a body was found in that particular location, but no mention of Skylar. If Sheila was following the news, she would have known that Skylar's remains had been located. Her tweets were constant, mostly normal, with a huge amount of baby elephant pictures sprinkled in, which was weird. That is weird. It's horrifying to think that someone could act so normal in such a situation after committing such a horrifying act. Wow. Yeah, I taking selfies and just tweeting pictures of baby elephants. What the hell? Yeah. Rachel remained free as investigators searched for more evidence. 
They knew that Sheila wouldn't confess unless they had her 100% cornered. Both Rachel and Sheila were pulled out of school and homeschooled for the remainder of the year, not just for the protection of the other students, but for their own protection as well. On March 13th, Skylar was publicly identified as the body that was found two months earlier. The cause of death was not shared. Dave and Mary Niece had been told a month prior, but were given no other details. Oh, wow. Could you imagine? No. Like, how would you be able to get out of bed and live your life every day knowing that your child was found dead and not knowing anything about I don't that? know. I really don't know. I would not I would not be able to get out of bed. No. That's oh my god. That's so sad. I feel so bad for them. Mm-hmm. Of course, upon hearing the news about Skylar, Sheila had the audacity to tweet pictures of the two. Oh my god. The tweet contained three selfies of the girls and a message that read Rest easy, Skylar. You'll always be my best friend. I'll miss you more than you could ever know. This infuriates me. Infuriates me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have got to be kidding me, Sheila. Shalia. I wrote, shut the fuck up, Sheila. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I can't imagine. How can you do that? Like you I don't murdered, know. You murdered you someone. Literally caused her to die, and you're saying rest easy. And now you're going through always. pics of you guys picking your favorites, posting Dude. this. She did more than this. I just am leaving so much out. She like would write full on Facebook posts in the um, Team Skylar Facebook group, which was the group that they had for Skylar's missing person page. And she would write like all this stuff, like. So, pretending like she's Skylar's best friend and like trying oh to help God. with the investigation and stuff. At this point, it wasn't public knowledge that they had actually killed Mm-mm, her, right? No. Okay, okay, okay. Well, it's not public knowledge that they'd killed her now either. The only people that know are the police. The nieces don't even know. Oh. Just Rachel. I mean, Rachel and the police. Yeah, I gotcha. So Sheila doesn't even know that Rachel confessed? Well, I think her lawyer had given her a heads up that Rachel had confessed because they stopped talking after that. Oh, and that's why she had all those tweets. It was like, yeah, I'm so fucking disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Like, my mind is blown. I cannot believe this. I'm speechless. Oh my God. What a fucking bitch. I know. Rachel also posted several tweets, though they're now deleted. One read... Rest in peace, baby. I love and miss you more than anything. May mm-hmm. you finally have justice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Justice against your own fucking ass, bitch. You've confessed. What you are you doing? are so stupid. What in the actual fudge? I cannot. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm so what's angry. What's wrong with these people? I don't know. Valerie, what's wrong with these people? I don't know. I'm so mad, though. Remember when I told you that the investigators had seized Sheila's car? Mm-hmm. Welp, they found blood in the trunk. Didn't they, Didn't you say they, like, drove her body to a place? No, they dragged it. They dragged it. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. But they had all the stuff in their trunk, and I guess maybe when they were, like, getting the cleaning supplies and the clothes, or maybe... Like putting the knife back in the car yeah, or something? Yeah, maybe when they were disposing of all the stuff, they didn't clean it all up or... Stupid. 
Yeah, for someone who watches a lot of fucking Law and Order and CSI, um, Shelia, you're kind of dumb. Yeah, Shelia. <laughs> so they found blood in Sheila's car. So she was done for. It was just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. While things were wrapping up with the investigation, Sheila sat at home watching Law and Order and tweeting dumb ass shit. For example, <gasps> Sheila tweeted on April 1st, 2013, we really did go on three. Why would you tweet that, you fucking idiot? She's a fucking... I don't even know what you'd say. Like, what would you call that? Like, an idiot. <laughs> and a fucking, like, self-absorbed... <laughs> she thinks she's, like, some hot shit. Apparently. You are really going there. Like, what the fuck is wrong with this girl? That's so brazen. And I know. I've... My arm hairs are standing on end. Yeah. We, oh, my God. I gasped when I read that. Seriously. Her time was coming and justice would soon be served. Good. On May 1st, as had been agreed, Rachel surrendered to the authorities and had her first day in court for her plea hearing. She pled guilty to the murder of Skylar Niece and would be transferred from juvenile to adult status. Rachel agreed to testify against Sheila if needed in exchange for a second-degree murder charge. What? Second-degree murder? Mm Mm-hmm. At the same time as Rachel underwent her plea hearing, police were closing in on Sheila in anticipation that the news would soon leak that Rachel was arrested. Officers arrive at Sheila's to find that no one was home. So they called Sheila's mother, Tara, and asked her to bring Sheila by the station for more questioning. It's unknown if Tara knew what was going on, but she responded that the two were out to lunch at Cracker Barrel. (laughs) And she'd bring her by later. And as soon as I read that, I immediately thought of you and your family. Sorry, I'm laughing so hard. Because, I mean, my grandparents on my mom's side, they would go to Cracker Barrel every weekend. No, it was on Thursdays because for a while... When I was taking classes at University of North Georgia Oconee campus, I would go and meet them every Thursday and have lunch with them or dinner. I can't remember, but it was Cracker Barrel on Thursdays and then after church every Sunday on Sundays. And then on every family trip, Cracker Barrel multiple times. What the fuck? In a day even. What? Yes. What's wrong I had been to Cracker, multiple Cracker Barrels in a day before. Why? Because they're obsessed. Do you love Cracker Barrel? No, I don't love Cracker Barrel. Do you want to do a little um, cocktail hour at Cracker Barrel this week? I don't think they serve cocktails. Do they serve wine? I don't think they serve any alcohol. I'm pretty sure they don't. Just gravy. (laughs) Just gravy. (laughs) Just gravy and them green beans. (laughs) Greens, beans, tomatoes, potatoes. (laughs) Yeah, every time I see a Cracker Barrel, I think of your family and you just being there, having a great time. What was your order that you'd get? Oh, I would always, no, I would get the um, grilled, what the fuck kind of fish was it? I can't remember what kind of fish it was. Yeah. Oh my God. Grilled something fish. It was good. (laughs) I would always get green beans and... I can't remember. It's been so long since I've been to a Cracker Barrel now that all my that grandparents would, are dead. <laughs> do you think that you would feel like a sense of nostalgia and happiness if you went to Cracker Barrel? I think I would. I think I would. Yeah. I think I would. Maybe we should, we should go. 
<laughs> I haven't been in a long time. Yeah. I remember on family vacations, sometimes if we wanted to like take a little breather and not go through a drive through we would hit up the Cracker Barrel. Yeah. And it was always nice because you could wander around the little store, pick mm-hmm. up a book on tape. Pick up some gospel CDs. <laughs> yeah. Pick up a really scratchy teddy bear. Like, <laughs> yeah, really dust, scratchy teddy bear. Dusty. <laughs> Or a nice sweater that has lots of stuff on it. Or, what is it called? Cut My Hair Harriet or something? Like the magnetic... A woolly willy? Woolly willy. And there was like a woman one. Harry Harriet, maybe? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, and remember the peg game? (laughs) I'm sorry. Oh my god, yes, look! Look! What? Cracker Barrel. You have a picture from Cracker Barrel? On my fridge. Oh my god! I didn't even think of that until just now. I don't know. Oh my god! You mentioned the pen game. It's on the table. Yeah, you're there. You are stacking all the pegs I'm in like a two line. Years old. Oh my god! Your parents are so young. Is that baby Zach? Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And that's my grandfather, who Adrian's named after. Oh. This is such a cute picture. I love it. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. <laughs> okay, let's go to Cracker Barrel. Damn. <laughs> The ignoramus. <laughs> ignoramus. It's oh. an ignoramus. Anyway. Okay, so, sorry. <laughs> we just took a trip to Cracker Barrel. That would be Sheila's last meal. Hope she loves Cracker Barrel as much as you, Mallory. Look. <laughs> Investigators sent the nearest patrol car over to the restaurant to catch them as they were leaving. As Sheila and Tara strolled out of Cracker Barrel, police arrested (laughs) (laughs) full of green beans and country fried steak. Yeah. Police arrested Sheila Eddie for the murder of Skylar Neese. Good. Eddie was indicted by a grand jury on September 6, 2013 on one count of kidnapping, one count of first degree murder, and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. I'm surprised they got her on kidnapping. I know. Because she willingly went. I know. That's weird. Uh, Joey, tell us why they did that. Joey. Yeah. (laughs) She pleaded not guilty of fucking course. Um, excuse me, but you literally tweeted we went on three. So. During the plea hearing, Sheila smiled in a mocking manner, Mm. obviously taking nothing seriously. Bitch. Facing the prospect of additional charges from Pennsylvania authorities, Eddie pleaded guilty to first-degree murder. She expressed no remorse because she's Shelia, <laughs> but was sentenced to life in prison with mercy. What does that mean? I guess the opportunity for parole after 15 years. Oh, okay. Which is bullshit. She doesn't deserve parole. She's really smug about this whole thing, and I hate her. Yeah, so I wrote, under West Virginia law, she is eligible for parole after 15 years. And after the trial, Dave Neese swore that he'd be at every parole hearing to make sure Shelia never walks free. Good. As for Rachel Schof, she received a sentence of 30 years in prison and will be eligible for parole after 10 years. Schof expressed remorse and apologized to the nieces, her own family, and God during her sentencing. Schof's family also issued a public apology for her actions through their lawyer. On flawless behavior, Rachel will be released in 10 years. 10? 
Yeah. So basically what From flawless behavior means. I don't know yeah. if you've ever heard of that. I, mm-hmm. ne- I hadn't. In West Virginia, you're given good time credits, which is um, you get one credit for every good day for good behavior. And these credits may then be subtracted from your total sentence. So if she has flawless behavior, she could be released from prison in 10 years, which would be... 2024? Yeah. Um, I don't like that rule. No. Because she deserves to pay for what she fucking did. I know. 2024 is only in two years. In her apology, she did seem remorseful, but she also was kind of making excuses. And who knows? Maybe this is the truth. But she was basically saying, like, I agreed to something I didn't want to do. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I, I went with it anyway, like... That might be the case. You're a teenager, but at the same time, like you fucking took a knife and you fucking yes. counted to three and you stabbed mm-hmm. a girl to death. Yeah, and then fifty times you fucking dragged her out, tried to bury her, and then you had sex immediately. To celebrate. After. Yeah, that's not. Oh, sorry, I didn't know I was getting into that. No, it's know. not. Yeah, not at all. You may be remorseful, but you're probably more remorseful that you were caught. But I can't honestly understand how you can do that. I, I, I obviously can't wrap my mind any normal around person can't understand it. But. Yeah. Especially at such a young... Not that it makes a difference because I can't imagine it now either at 35. But right. at 15 years old? Yeah. Dude, I was still watching Spongebob. <laughs> totally. Like, what the hell? Why are these like such glamour shots? Yeah, so I just pulled up a picture of um, Sheila and Rachel um, mugshots. And I guess these are more recent. And who the hell gave these girls a curling wand? Who gave them a blowout? Yeah, like what? (laughs) Both are currently serving their sentences at Lakin Correctional Center, about 150 miles southwest of Morganton. Sheila Eddy was transferred there in February and Rachel in July of 2014. So they're together? Yeah, but they're not supposed to interact. Mm. Just a random update about Rachel Schoaf. She married uh, another inmate, Amy Cobb. What? I couldn't find a lot of really clear information about this. But this is the thing I found today when I was finishing up the story. Oh. But it looks like they got married in prison. Amy Cobb was a former nurse in West Virginia, and she was incarcerated for fraud and credit card theft. Oh, God. Apparently, she was released in June 2021. So this actually makes so much sense because I was looking at Sheila's Twitter. I was looking at Skylar's Twitter. And I was looking at Rachel's Twitter. A lot of Rachel's tweets are gone. Um, but I did notice that someone was on there actively retweeting and replying to tweets. And I did not know oh, who it could be. But so maybe it's probably her wife. Maybe it's her, her wife. Oh, my God. Um, Anyway, who cares about Rachel? Why wouldn't you just do that on your own account? (laughs) I guess she's just trying to, like, be the PR person for Rachel. Oh, is it, like, stuff specific to the case? Uh, Well, because anyone that's tweeting or doing anything on Rachel's profile has to do with, like, knowing the story. Oh, yeah. So she's probably just trying to defend her. I don't know. As for the nieces, they set up a memorial at the site where Skylar's remains were found. 
The 10th anniversary of Skylar's death has recently passed, and the nieces still continue to speak out on the importance of being involved in your teenager's life, how to spot red flags, and how to ask tough questions. They played an integral role in passing Skylar's Law, which issues immediate public announcements when any child is reported missing and in danger, regardless of whether the child is believed to have been kidnapped. And that's, I think that's only in West Virginia. The nieces want their daughter's story told. Um, I've watched a few interviews with them, and they want people to tell this story. They said they know Skylar would want the world to know the truth. Mm-hmm. And that's the tragic story of the murder of Skylar niece. <sighs> Someone who gave a victim impact statement during the trial said this, and I thought it was so true. Murder by a stranger is horror. Murder by a friend is unthinkable. Yeah. So that's it. That's That was a good one. That was horrifying. Yeah. I cannot believe Sheila in particular. Yes. What the fuck? What a fucking wretch. <laughs> that's the only word I wretch. can think of. Wretch. <laughs> she's a wretch. And look how cute Skylar is. I know. She's so cute. She's so cute. You would laugh if you read her Twitter. You would be like, I can totally, I could totally see myself being friends with this person. Yeah. Oh my God. And she's, she would have been my sister's age now. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. Yeah. So I will, I guess, go through my sources. Yeah, go for Mm -hmm. it. There was a 2020 episode about Skylar that I watched and read the article for. Um, I got a lot of content from Sheila's Twitter and Skylar's Twitter. Um, there was a really, really good website all about this case called SkylarNeeseMurder.com. Literally every detail is on that site. Oh, wow. Looks like it was made in um, X-Page, though. <laughs> X-Page. Oh, my God. What a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wikipedia page for the murder of Skylar Niece. I got the detail about Rachel's wife from USA Mirror, so take what you will from that. And then I also read a book called Pretty Little Killers by Daylene Barry and Jeffrey C. Fuller. You're such a book reader. Yeah, I mean, audiobook. Yeah. Is it really reading if you're listening to it? It's still reading, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I did, I did mention I did get a Kindle, but I haven't had time to really read anything for pleasure. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah oh my god if you guys have any book recommendations that i should read um when i have a moment for pleasure i would like to read for pleasure <laughs> that was really good rest in peace skylar yeah. and um great job dave and mary niece getting that law passed and speaking for real speaking out about oh how my god. to help parents talk to their kids and mm-hmm. yeah just awesome great people Oh, well, guys, if you want to reach out to us, we're your biggest fans. We're, we're your biggest fans. Yes. So if you want to talk to us, literally, you know what? Here's my number. Here's my phone number. It's uh-huh. 555-555. Um, no, but we have social media. It is Rabbit Hole Happy Hour on Instagram. Please join our Facebook group and interact with each other on our Facebook group. I like have this dream that people will 
like you Have know a what? community be friends yes i want to create like a little community yeah <laughs> the, um, let's go to court discord that i'm a part of is so awesome i would love if our facebook group maybe we should make a discord is it does it cost money i don't think so. no it doesn't i have a discord server with my sister and my brother-in-law yeah. just for playing games well if you guys are interested in that let us know i have been trying to post a little bit of stuff as i see it um like articles and things but yeah would love some interaction and just have fun with each other please. have fun with each other be nice be <laughs> sweet keep sweet keep sweet keep you sweet know? We're on Twitter, but literally nobody follows us but me and Ashley ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, do what you will with that. Um, <laughs> you can email us any suggestions, rabbitholehappyhour at, at gmail.com. Gmail. Thank you for your sweet and kind reviews. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. They're, they're awesome. It makes us so happy. Literally, if I get a review, I screenshot it immediately, send it to Mallory, and then look at it probably four times yeah (laughs) for five hours four times for five hours Mm -hmm. that makes sense (laughs) so yeah we'll uh see you in another couple weeks it'll be my turn i'm gonna try to get a real juicy one for you i don't know what i'm doing yet sorry guys (laughs) you better do it good i'm gonna do it good and if she doesn't get it right and tight in time we'll just do a little mini app Well, we love you, and we will... Talk to you later. T-T-Y-L-L-L-Y-A-S. Love you like a sister. Oh, Lilas. Lilas. Hags, bye. Bye.